Welcome to the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. We invite you to open your Bibles and follow along with us as we study God's Word together. Hello, my name is Cody Westbrook, and you're listening to the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast, a work of the Southwest Church of Christ in Austin, Texas. We're looking forward to a time of studying God's Word together, and we're thankful that the Lord has given us this opportunity. You know, to put it mildly, the year 2020 was incredibly difficult. It was a difficult year for our world. It was a difficult year for our nation. And it was also a very difficult and challenging year for the Lord's Church. Now that we've uh, arrived in 2021, we're looking back over the events that have transpired over the last 12 months, and certainly the pandemic and so many other things that took place in the world and in this country have left us with a heavy weight on our shoulders. Maybe we're experiencing a sense of discouragement even because we look at the church, we look at our congregations, and perhaps we see numbers that are not as they were before COVID. Perhaps we still have members who are not worshiping for a variety of reasons with the congregation. There are so many things that are going on, so many challenges that the church now faces as we look forward to the future. Now, the encouraging thing is that when it comes to enduring challenges, when it comes to rebuilding, if you will, the work of God after uh, enduring a difficult time, we should know, number one, that we're not the first generation to have to deal with a problem like this. But we should know, number two, that the church, as God has designed it, has staying power. And so it's not a matter of if the church will be able to dig out and rebuild and continue to be successful in the work of God. It's just simply a matter of how to do it. And of course, as we go to God's Word, we find all the information that we need in order to know how to move forward, how to get going again with the work that God would have us to do. With this in mind, I'd like for us to begin a study of one of my favorite Old Testament books, and that is the book of Nehemiah. I love this book for so many reasons, but primarily because this is a book that is all about rebuilding. This is a book that tells us about how we have to have a big faith for a big work. It reminds us that the church and that the work of the church is not our work after all, but rather it's God's work. So it's a book that emphasizes faith in God. It's a book that emphasizes leadership and the skills that are necessary uh, for good leaders to be able to lead in the work of God. It's a book that tells us about God and about His faithfulness and so many of His characteristics. And I'm convinced that as we study this book together, we are going to not only be encouraged and uplifted, but we are going to see in the pages of God's Word a divine blueprint for digging out of the rubble and the ashes of the year 2020 and of the COVID, the COVID pandemic and being able to move forward with great faith and confidence as we carry out the work of God and as we depend upon Him to bless us and to help that work to be fruitful. Before we begin our study this morning, let's uh, have a word of prayer together. Our great and loving God in heaven, we are thankful for the day and for the blessings of the day. We're thankful for the opportunities that you provide for us and for this opportunity now to study your word together. Father, as we think about the book of Nehemiah and about rebuilding and about leadership and trusting in you, 
We pray that as we consider the state of the church now in the year 2021, that we will look to this book for encouragement and for guidance and for a divine pattern or blueprint. We ask that you would bless us as we study. We ask that you would bless us as we work together, serving and laboring in your kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What I'd like for us to do before we dive into the text of the book of Nehemiah is I'd like for us to take some time to consider some introductory matters for this book. And I think that's appropriate anytime you're going to study a book in God's Word. We need to have an idea of the setting and of the background and all of the various and sundry introductory matters that are germane to the book that are going, we're going to be studying. And to begin by thinking about, uh, to begin thinking about the introductory material to the book of Nehemiah, I'd actually like to direct your attention to the book of Jeremiah chapter 1, and I want to note what the Bible says in Jeremiah chapter 1, beginning in verse 14 and going through verse 16. Jeremiah 1:14, the Bible says, Then the Lord said to me, Out of the north calamity shall break forth on all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the families of the kingdoms of the north, says the Lord, They shall come, and each one set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem against all its walls, uh, all around, and against all the cities of Judah. I will utter my judgments against them concerning all their wickedness, because they have forsaken me, burned incense to other gods, and worshipped the works of their own hands. It is incredible to think that a nation of people who God redeemed to be his own had fallen so far. But indeed, that was the case. You see, what Jeremiah is describing in Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 14 and following, is is the destruction of Jerusalem that was going to come at the hands of the Babylonian Empire. God's people, the southern kingdom, they were going to be taken into captivity for a period of 70 years. And that's what God is prophesying in Jeremiah chapter 1, verses 14 and following. There are a number of reasons why this uh, had to be the case. Uh, One reason is, according to Ezekiel chapter 5, verse 5 and 6, that Israel had rejected God's law. Jeremiah chapter 8 and verse 7 says that Israel was destroyed because they did not know God's word. Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 31 says that they were led voluntarily by false teachers. They had also allied themselves with Egypt. We learn about that in Jeremiah chapter 2, verses 36 and 37. They had abandoned God for idols, and they had even sacrificed their own sons to Molech, according to Jeremiah chapter 16, verses 10 and 11. They were greedy, Ezekiel 7, 19. They were unjust, Jeremiah 21 and verse 12. They were liars, Jeremiah 9, verses 1 to 3. And so, for the same reasons that God had used them to remove the Canaanites from the land so many years before, he would now use the Babylonians to remove his own people. And in 586 B.C., Jerusalem was destroyed and the captives were carried away in a third deportation to Babylon. Among them, some of the prophets that we know, like Daniel and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, And the choices, it was the choices that the children of Israel had made for a number of years that ultimately brought that city down, crashing around them. But all was not lost. Because in Isaiah chapter 40, Isaiah promised that in the midst of this captivity, comfort would come. 
In Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 10 to 14, God even told the people that there was going to be a time limit to their captivity, and that would be 70 years. In Ezekiel chapter 37, we find Ezekiel and the Valley of Dry Bones, and the purpose of that chapter was to communicate the fact that God was going to give life to a nation that was dead. And in, and in Isaiah chapter 44, verse 28 and following, Isaiah, or God, I should say, through Isaiah, even began to name names. He spoke of Cyrus, my shepherd. In 536, uh, it was the uh, Persians who would begin the process of allowing the children of Israel to return to their homeland just as God had said would happen. So here's a chronology of how all of that uh, unfolded. In 538 to 516 B.C., Zerubbabel, along with Jeshua the high priest, and eventually Haggai and Zechariah returned home struggling to rebuild the temple. You can read about this in the first six chapters of Ezra. Then in 458 B.C., Ezra himself returned to enact religious reform, And in 445 B.C., Nehemiah arrived in Jerusalem as governor of Judah, appointed by Artaxerxes. And so Nehemiah's job when he arrives in Jerusalem in 445 B.C. is to rebuild the walls in Jerusalem. So just as God had prophesied, though the children of Israel went into captivity, though Jerusalem was destroyed, after 70 years they were allowed to return home. They rebuilt the temple, they rebuilt the walls, they rebuilt the city, they rebuilt their home, all with the blessing of God. And the book of Nehemiah is one book that describes the events uh, that uh, transpired in the rebuilding process after returning home from captivity. Now, let's think about this question for a moment. Why should we spend our time studying the book of Nehemiah? What things of value can be found in a book like Nehemiah that would be uh, germane or applicable to our current time and to some of the struggles that we see in the church even today? Well, think about some of the themes that are found in Jeremiah. Excuse me, Nehemiah. Nehemiah will deal with things like teamwork. In fact, Nehemiah will specify in the middle of this book, as they're going through the description of the rebuilding of the walls, Nehemiah will specify all of the various individuals and all of the various professions and types of people that came together, united, in order to complete this one task. Nehemiah will even deal with the theme of building through adversity. You know, that's the thing about doing the work of God, about doing any work at all. You're always going to have some challenge to overcome. There's always going to be adversity in some form. And Nehemiah and the people, they endured adversity at the hand of Sanballat and Tobiah, as the book of Nehemiah will describe for us. This book also has a lot to say about leadership and about the process and the practices of being a good and successful leader. Nehemiah is described as one who planned, as one who communicated, as one who had vision, and all of these things are necessary in good leadership. As far as application is concerned, these themes can be applied in a number of different areas. The book of Nehemiah could be studied, for example, and applied to the context of marriage and family. 
Nehemiah deals with problems. Marriages have to work through problems. Nehemiah shows us the importance of strong leadership. Marriages and families have to have strong leadership. Nehemiah shows us the importance of planning and depending upon God. Marriage and families involve planning and depending upon God. This this book can be applied to, to marriage and family. But this book also can be applied, and this is how we're going to study it, to the congregation. You see, the people of God returned from captivity to rebuild the walls. That was a work that God wanted the people to do. Well, we are the people of God today, the church of Christ. That's God's people. And just like Nehemiah had a work to do, we have work to do. And so we can look at these uh, examples and these principles that are found in this book, and we can find great application to the congregations uh, which we attend. But this book also has some personal application. It may be that uh, I'm a person who is struggling to rebuild my life, if you will. I've been struggling with sin, perhaps a Christian who's fallen away and has a desire to return back home. Well, what are the things that need to be done in order to make sure that I am the kind of person that God wants me to be? Well, the the book of Nehemiah has an answer to that as well. You see, because when we get to chapter 8 of the book of Nehemiah, just for example, the emphasis changes. In the first seven chapters, it's rebuilding the wall, but then in chapter 8, through the remainder of the book, is all about rebuilding the people. There is, uh, there is a revival in the hearts and in the minds of the people in the eighth chapter of this book as it pertains to hearing and applying the Word of God. So as we look at the book of Nehemiah, we're looking for information, for purpose. How can we build? We're looking for motivation. Why must we do it? We're looking for assurance, and this book gives it. We can, be ex- we can be successful in the work of God because it's God's work, and God desires His work to be successful. Now, let me give you a challenge. As we study through this book, wherever you find yourself, if you are a new Christian, if you've been a Christian for decades, if you are an elder, if you are a deacon, if you are a preacher, whatever the case may be, whoever you are, as you listen to this study and as you go through the study of the book of Nehemiah, here's the challenge. Don't try to apply it to anyone else. Only try to apply it to yourself. Think about what this book has to say about me as a Christian, as a husband, as a wife, as a young Christian, as an old Christian, as an elder, as a deacon, as a preacher. How can I, as an individual, take the points and the precepts of the book of Nehemiah and apply it to myself? The reason why it's so important to do this, I think, is because too often, as we're studying God's Word and we're challenged by what God's Word says, the first thing that we do is we start thinking about other people that we're aware of in the congregation who need to hear what this passage says or who need to make this change in their life. But we've got to stop thinking about other people first. We need to think about ourselves first and how we can better ourselves before we can go on and help other people. Remember Ezra chapter 7 and verse 10, where the Bible says that Ezra first prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, and then to teach in Israel statutes and judgment. There is an order there that is important. Ezra first prepares his heart, then Ezra seeks the law of the Lord, then Israel applies that law to his own life to seek the law of the Lord and to do it. And then after preparing his heart to seek the law of the Lord and to do it, then he's ready to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. It is so important to try and apply what God's Word says to ourselves 
before we seek to apply it to other people. Now, second, let's ask this question. As we look at the book of Nehemiah, what does this book say about God? First of all, this book tells us that our God is great and He is awesome, or awe-inspiring, if you will. If you look at Nehemiah chapter 1, for example, verse 5 and 6, listen to how Nehemiah addresses God in his prayer. He addresses God as the Lord of heaven, and he says, O great and awesome God, you who keep your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments, please let your ear be attentive. The word great means literally to be superior or remarkable in magnitude, degree, or effectiveness. The idea is that God rules with power, and Nehemiah knew that, and he knew that that power could be seen throughout the history of the nation of Israel. When Nehemiah describes God as being great or as being terrible or as being awesome, if you will, the idea is to fear or to hold him in reverence. So we have a great God who is superior. We have an awesome God who is to be held in high esteem or in great reverence. That's the kind of God that we serve. And Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 20 says that this great and awesome God will give success. And Nehemiah 4 and verse 20 says that this great and awesome God will fight for his people. So what does this tell me? This tells me that there is nothing too big, no work, no challenge that is too big or too difficult for our great God. Another thing that this book tells me about God is that God will remember. He remembers His people for good, Nehemiah 5.19. He remembers His enemies for their evil, Nehemiah 6 and verse 14. And even the enemies know it, Nehemiah 6 and verse 16. As Nehemiah prays to God in Nehemiah chapter 1, notice that he says of God, you are the one who keeps your covenant and mercy with those who love you and observe your commandments. He is faithful. God remembers. This book also tells us that God is unique. God in Nehemiah is described as the God of heaven. He's not like the Persian gods or any other false gods. He is the God of heaven, and He alone is powerful and worthy of our praise. Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. God is reliable. He keeps covenant and mercy. He is true to His promises. Nehemiah 1 and verse 5. Nehemiah 9 and verse 8. God is holy. God is merciful. God is gracious. All of these things are elaborated in the book of Nehemiah, but also God is active and God is attentive. Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse number 6, Please let your ear be attentive and your eyes open that you may hear the prayer of your servant, which I pray before you now, day and night. This may be one of the most humbling truths about God in all of His Word. We have a God who is awesome and who is great and who is powerful, a God who is gracious and merciful, a God who knows all and sees all, a God who is holy, a God who is reliable, and yet He is active and He is attentive to me as an individual. This book paints a picture of God that is magnificent This book exalts God, and it reminds us that God is bigger and greater and more powerful than any challenge that we might imagine or that we might experience. 
that God is faithful, that He will not forget His people no matter how difficult times become, that God is merciful and gracious, and that God pays attention. He sees all, and He knows all, and He cares. God's work is a big work, but we have a big God for a big work. Finally, let's talk about what this book tells us about Nehemiah himself, the man himself. Because there are a lot of things that we can learn just from looking at uh, the character of Nehemiah. First of all, the book of Nehemiah tells us about Nehemiah's passion for God's Word. It is obvious as we study this book that Nehemiah had a great respect for and a great knowledge of God's Word. It was the stories of the past that challenged him. For example, we have Abraham in Nehemiah chapter 9, verse 7 and 8. We have Moses mentioned in Nehemiah chapter 1 and also Nehemiah chapter 8 and 9 and 10. Aaron is mentioned in Nehemiah chapter 10. David in chapter 12. Asaph also in chapter 12. All of these are referenced in this book. The warnings and the instructions of God's Word were always in his mind. There are a number of references to Old Testament passages in the book of Nehemiah. Genesis is mentioned in chapter 9, verse 7 and 8. Exodus in chapter 9. Leviticus in chapter 8. Numbers in Nehemiah 13. Deuteronomy in Nehemiah 1 and Nehemiah 9. Joshua and Judges both in Nehemiah chapter 9. And we'll also find references to passages from First and Second Kings and Isaiah and Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, and the Psalms all referenced in this book. That tells me that Nehemiah was a man whose life was fashioned by God's Word. His prayer and his service make it evidence that he knew God's Word, that he loved God's Word, and that he applied God's Word. Now, why is this important? Because any good work can only be done well if the instructions are followed. And as it pertains to the work of God, God has given us the instructions found in the pages of Scripture. If we are to carry out God's work in a successful way that glorifies Him, it's going to be done because we follow the directions. Nehemiah loved God's Word. Nehemiah also had a passion for prayer. The book of Nehemiah begins and ends with prayer. There are different kinds of prayers in this book. There are prayers of anguish, prayers of joy, prayers of protection, dependence, and commitment. Nehemiah is compassionate in his prayer. He is persistent in his prayer. He prays for himself, but he prays for all of Israel in this book. God is active in this work, and Nehemiah communicates and depends upon him greatly. Nehemiah had a passion for prayer, but he also had a passion for leadership. And this is brought out in eight ways in this book. Number one, Nehemiah was a compassionate leader. Look at Nehemiah 1 and verse 4 and notice that Nehemiah sits down and weeps because of the sad state of his people. Nehemiah recognizes that he is a leader under great authority. You see, Nehemiah sought God's direction in leading God's people in God's work. Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 5 through 11. Nehemiah also was a leader who recognized the importance of having transparent integrity. He recognized his own shortcomings. Look at Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 6. Nehemiah was a man of great vision. He saw what could be and he planned for it. Nehemiah chapter 1 and verse 3. Nehemiah, though, is a man who knew his own limits. He was a leader who knew his own vulnerability. He struggled with fear. Look at Nehemiah 2 and verse 2. 
Nehemiah was a leader who had the ability to inspire. Read Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 17 to 20, and notice that Nehemiah as a leader spoke realistically of the problems. But he didn't just talk about the problems, he also spoke convincingly about the solution. And that's always the mark of a great leader. You don't just identify the problem, but you, you explain and lay out the roadmap for how the problem can be defeated. Nehemiah was a leader who recognized the necessity of delegation. In Nehemiah chapter 3, he designated responsibility for each section of the wall. Nehemiah did not fear adversity because he knew who was in control. Read Nehemiah chapter 4. He also recognized the importance of being able to adapt. In Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 13 and following, you'll notice that Nehemiah adjusts the work plan in order to take care of endangered workers. But finally, number 10, Nehemiah, as a great leader, is one who made personal sacrifices. Notice that Nehemiah leaves a place in the palace for a project in the dirt. Nehemiah left the palace to go back to Jerusalem and to engage in this tenuous work. Nehemiah made personal sacrifices. As we study this book, we see so much, so much here uh, from which we can gain. We can learn about God and His character. We can learn about God's work and how important it is. We can learn about leadership. We can learn about faithfulness. There is so much information in this book that is so profitable to the church in every age. So I'd like to encourage you to take some time and read through the book of Nehemiah before listening to our next episode, because in our next episode, we will begin looking at the context of this book. We'll start in chapter 1 and work our way through. But first, take some time to read the book, get an idea of what's going on, and take some time in prayer and in meditation of God's Word to think about what these, uh, the lessons that this book teaches us what it teaches us about Nehemiah, what it teaches us about God, what it teaches us about leadership, what it teaches us about rebuilding. And let's look with faith and confidence to the future as we get on about the business of working in the kingdom of God. We appreciate you taking the time to listen to this episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast. We invite you to subscribe to our channel and also to visit our website, www.swcfc.org. And you'll find also there that there are various archive sermons as well as bulletin articles, articles from our monthly publication, The Christian Worker, and a number of other items that will help you in your desire to study God's Word and to be the person that God would have you to be. Thanks again for listening, and we hope that you will uh, listen again to uh, our future episodes of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Word of Life Bible Study Podcast. Please visit our website at swcofc.org for more information about the Southwest Church of Christ. And if you're in the Austin area, please come and visit with us. Thank you for listening, and please join us again as we open up our Bibles and study more of the wonderful Word of Life.